0: Welcome to PGB Football. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Paolo Bersella And today, we'll be talking about Liverpool and Chelsea and the state of their clubs at this moment in time in the Premier League. Today, I have my two of my good mates. And um, they need no introduction. Uh, We are on a football group together, so we have had plenty of beautiful and very controversial football chats in the past, and today we're coming um, with a big episode here on on Liverpool and Chelsea. So I have Daniel Krasmar with me, who I've had on a previous episode uh, before. He is a Chelsea fan and uh, new on the podcast. Is my mate Dylan Johnson, who's a Liverpool supporter. So, Daniel, without further ado, um, I want to start off by asking you, how did you feel about that, that loss this weekend? Like, what were the emotions? Like before the game and after the game, how did you feel comparatively? Um, yeah.
1: So, I think before the start of the game, I think there were a bit of hopes, especially with Potter's recent form, um, that you know what, a result would definitely come, especially a clean sheet I feel, but a low scoring game, no more than two goals. Uh and then after that first goal that Brighton scored, I think heads already dropped. Um I think also with Potter recently being at um at Brighton, I think he always knew going going back to his previous club it was gonna always be a challenge mentally. Um and I think you know, it always goes back. I'm going to say this again. It always. I said this on the last podcast. Last time I was on the podcast, where Tuchel said it's the same issues because we have the same players, and it goes. It's pretty much now we have the same players who did nothing going forward. So that's how it kind of felt with this game. Just we have no attacking threat, and that's why it's always a low scoring game. Um, and off that, that first goal, I think heads just dropped. Um, we had nothing going forward, and then the second goal came, third goal came. And then by then, I think everyone knew it was it was pretty much wraps, um, especially with Brighton um, having so much confidence um, and just being so good going forward and defensively this season. Um, and then after the game, you, you can't even be difficult. You can't even be disappointed at this point. Um, it's just these are one of the seasons where it just seems like every team is unpredict. It's going to be unpredictable for every team. Um, like you're looking at Spurs. Well, Spurs always been Spurs, but like Liverpool, um, Arsenal all of a sudden doing well. Um, maybe dropping the point there and there, but um, but yeah, for Chelsea personally, I I don't think there's much hope. Um, this mm-hmm. is this season's definitely going to be a learning curve for Potter and the new the new owners of Chelsea. I think find mm-hmm. their find their feet and then um, gauge from there really.
0: Yeah. Thanks for the answer. That's 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 an amazing in-depth answer. I really like that. And Dylan, I want to pose the same question to you. So, what were your you know feelings, or were you feeling optimistic before the game, and how are you f- like feeling like at that moment of time? Um, and then, obviously, post-match, a whole different emotion must have come out. What was your feelings, your general feelings of um, that game?
2: I think recently Liverpool have been um, so unpredictable. You never know which team is gonna turn up. Like every midweek for some reason in the Champions League, a different team turns off there's like more energy. The midfield, even though it's still struggling, but against Ajax, I mean Liverpool started really badly. But as the game went on, they just completely like dominated. Mm. But in the Premier League, for some reason, Like, Liverpool are just so easy to play against. And I was, I'm not going to lie, after half-time against Leeds, Liverpool looked like we ended the half pretty strongly. We were dominating. Um, Leeds had the odd chance here and there on the counter, but that was always going to happen, I think. But then the second half started, and it kind of was definitely the intensity had dropped. And as the game went on, it was one of those games where you could just feel, okay, well, this isn't the Liverpool that we've, like come to know over the past few years this is like a weak Liverpool that don't have the same intensity they are like bullied in midfield like very evidently um and even up front like Liverpool had chances and Melier had a great game but Mm. even the shots that Melier was saving it wasn't like he was making ridiculous saves where you're like oh my god this guy's one of the best keepers in the Premier League it was like the kind of saves where you're like okay you'd expect them to make them but they were still good saves but I don't know, I just, after the game, I mean, that goal that they scored, I just don't understand some of the, t- like, some of the players are just not, I mean, obviously the first goal with Joe Gomez, that was a complete nightmare. But the second goal, I remember it was like the, near the bottom left corner of the pitch and it was Milner and I think, I can't remember who the other person was, I think it was Gomez and there were, um, what's it, like double marking, is it, I don't know how to pronounce the name, is it, uh? No, no, he scored the goal But the guy who crossed yeah. the ball in I, I don't know how to pronounce oh, it Oh, uh, the, the, yeah. yeah, so
0: the Italian guy Wilfred Yes, yeah. so he
2: was like at the bottom left Being double marked And somehow got a ball in I remember that mm. To the yeah. box And then it was one touch finish And like, that's just Unacceptable in the 90th minutes To let a guy get the cross in When he's double marked in the corner mm. When he has no right to really get one in You know what I mean? Yeah that's just and the kind of things where Liverpool have just been off, and I don't like. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm not completely saying our season's over. I think we still definitely still a chance in the top four because as soon as we get I think like Jota back, and if somehow if God lets Kater get fit, maybe we can actually get him <laughs> in. But I don't know if that's really likely. Um, we can at least rotate the midfielder, bit. because right now Fabinho looks like he's 35, and <laughs> No offence to Thiago as much as I back him as a player. Technically, he's not a runner. Hmm. And Liverpool's midfield has been built on runners. And right now, like, Henderson isn't the same guy he was even last season. He can't run. I mean, Liverpool were outrun by, like, over 10 kilometers, which is just... The first thing you do is you outrun the other team. That's the number one rule. And that's just... Yeah, we just weren't doing that. I
0: don't Jeez, know if that's yeah. a good enough answer. Sorry. Well, well explained, bro. Like, uh, honestly, I think both of your answers, bro, like, obviously it's your opinion and there's no right answer, but, dude, like, I couldn't have asked anything more from you guys on those answers. Um, so, can, can I can I go back to what you said about the mid? Like, you,
1: you guys are complaining that you guys don't have anyone in the mid, but you have, like, Fabio, who you just got from Fulham, who's been playing as a 10. Corvalio, yeah. yeah, who's been playing as a 10 and Krupp, cro- Just doesn't have any faith in putting him there. Like, I I think personally it's ridiculous, dude, that he hasn't put him in the mid yet. Instead, he's playing him what? He's putting him on the left wing?
2: Am I right? I think, like, Liverpool are at a point in time where, like, for the past five years, new signing. If you're a new signing and you go into Liverpool, it's been a dream, like, that everyone's playing well. Um like you go into the team and like there's no rush for you to actually make an impact to the team. Like there's no yeah. expectations. Like when we signed Robertson, when we signed Fabinho, when we signed um, <coughs> Diaz, even Jota, it was like these guys could come in and make a cameo here and there, get themselves up to speed, score a goal here and there because like the players around them are playing at such an unbelievable level. Um, but then Cavallo, he's still so young and he doesn't have Premier League experience. As much as I think he's a great player and he's going to be good. I would like to see him start in the midfield more, but I just feel that Klopp probably feels like similar to Nunez where there's like a risk between getting him playing time and affecting the game and then ruining his confidence and then actually like negatively impacting his future role in the team. Like the last thing you want to do, I mean, Elliot's kind of stepped up, but he's been, he's been one of our better midfielders this season, but it's still like, why uh, that we are expecting a nineteen year old midfielder yeah. like a winger converted
0: to a midfielder to to take the team to victory, you know what I mean? I was, like, I was just about to say Liverpool's over reliance on youngsters nowadays has been yeah. very apparent it's, and it's actually sport, been to yeah. their downfall. Yeah. No, for
2: sure. It's like the spine of the Liverpool's team, if you look at it like it's been the same for like what five years now? And the whole like the whole point of Liverpool's midfield has always been running. Like, no one's ever complained about Henderson's lack of goals, Fabinho's lack of goals, Vinaldum's um, lack of goals. Like, we all understood that the reason why they're there is to, like, set the tone. You know what I mean? Set the tone of the press. But
0: yeah. I think, and like... control the game, you Control the
2: game. Yeah, literally. But right now, like, what, Henderson's, like, 31, 32. Thiago's, like, 32. 30 Autopolis <clears> has been <throat> a runner. Fabinho looks completely, like... Completely fatigued. Like, the man hasn't gotten a proper break. I don't think we've had a proper like for like replacement for Fabinho since he's been there. Like, we've rotated Mm -hmm. Henderson and Mulner in there, but at the same time, Henderson and Mulner are being rotated in other positions as well. So, no one's actually getting a break in midfield. They, like, Mulner will come on and play right back. And, I mean, I won't talk about that now. We can talk about that later if you want. But, I mean, Henderson as well. Henderson will be subbed on for Fabinho. But it's like Henderson isn't getting a break then, you know? Yeah. He's going from box to box, straight to the, the deep line, send, like defensive midfielder, but it's like he still has to do the same amount of running. He still has to do the same job. Like, no one's actually getting a break. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't think Carvalho uh, not that I'm doubting his ability, I just don't think he can, do, he can fix the midfield. Like, I don't think he is, like, the type of player we need to fix the midfield problems, if that makes sense.
1: Do you not think that you're missing creativity? Because um, I think
2: he's your answer, bro. No, I think so. I guess it all depends how Klopp lines up. That's the thing because <clears> the lineup <throat> and the tactics are changing. We like game by game. Yeah, it's tough to like get any consistency. I don't know, like right, like Bobby is playing like false nine, like he like normally does sometimes, and then he's playing like attacking midfield in a like di- midfield diamond, like it's. I don't know, it's tough to get any consistency when I don't even think Klopp knows which tactics are the most effective right now because his midfield
0: is just dead, completely like burnt out. Crazy. Yeah. I think I think Klopp needs Cratch at the wheel and Dylan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, nah, nah, bro, Cratchatina doesn't work for Liverpool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dylan will step up. Don't worry.
1: Bro, I I already said this before. If I'm ever in a ma- managerial role, I'm getting Dill as my assistant. Oh. I'm, you now, bro, <laughs> yes. yes. I'm getting yes. Dill as my assistant.
2: I'll be exposed straight away. Nah, bro, <laughs> trust
1: me. You'll <laughs> you'll put Klopp in his place, dude.
0: <laughs> Yo, man, let's uh let's take um a bit of the pressure of Dill. Let's move away from Liverpool a bit because I I can see it's oh. like. Heating him up and riling him up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've only got one in the bank, bro. I have to save it for the end. <laughs> yeah, you got to save it wisely. You've got you to spare it. You spare it. <laughs> so, on to Cratch. Okay, so... When you were, you know, giving your in-depth answer um, from the first question, you brought up uh, Tukul. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, going a blast blast to the recent past uh what was your opinion and also give me your initial reaction of Tuchel being sacked because this is a big one and i haven't heard it from you yet so what what is your thoughts on the on that dude
1: this is a very
0: touchy subject for me
1: honestly Mm. like if if you know like if you see on the footy groups i'm not really active anymore with chelsea because i'm still very pissed off um i I thought it was probably the worst decision I think a football club has ever made. I'm not even kidding like you don't come into a club win trophies slowly start to build something ask the owner for uh for players get given a whole bunch and then a couple match late uh, matches later because maybe the um the results aren't going your way you go and you go and sack him i I just don't see the point in that and if you if you were um planning to back him, why after three, four games, then go sack him and say it was for something else, you know um, I mean, as, as I've said before also on your, the previous uh, pod I mean, Munich runs through the family as well, so I obviously watch them just as much as Chelsea, so with my dad and I, we've kind of taken a step back with Chelsea, if I'm honest um, just purely of how Chelsea has been in the last couple of years like also with Frank um, and then now Tuchel, like just not giving any managers time um I, I we yeah we just think it's very poor um are so, doing a
0: united they almost like, this gives me a feeling that they're doing a manchester <clears throat> united of um 2014 More. to hundreds to 2021 100% and like it was
1: the same thing that i said i've said a few times if if this was liverpool Klopp would have been gone like after flipping what half a season like yeah. if a club's not going to give a manager time it, what's the point of of getting him in the first place? You know, you can't expect results ASAP and then expect um, to to keep that run going. You know, it just it just doesn't make sense. So with this whole Tuchel thing, I think I, I'm I'm still pretty gutted about it. I haven't forgotten about it. It's not that I'm not back in Potter, but it it's just more of the fact with with Todd, um, Bowley. Yeah. Um, I I don't think he knows how to run a club. Well, a football club, should I say? Um, like trying to implement certain um, things into a club and how a manager should um, control a team and so on. I mean, like the reports were coming out that um, Tuchel wasn't very responsive on WhatsApp groups and um, sharing data with the, the uh, with the owners and so on, like that. But you look at uh, a a um, a role for a manager, and well, let's say a typical role uh, in a, in an English club. You you won't you won't see that. I mean, if a, if an owner if the owner of Liverpool had to say that to Klopp, club would look at him and be like, "I'm here to control team, manage a team, and win games. I'm not here to chat on WhatsApp and share data with with an owner who's not going to really know much of what what he's talking about." You know, at the end of the day, if Tuchel and his team, which is why he has a team in the first place, if they want to play, or they agree on someone they want? They at the end of the day, they go to the 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 owners of the club and say we want this guy because he fits into our game plan. This is what he brings and so on like that. So now why must Todd be involved in the data and so on like that? When again, he's not very clued up in the sport, which he has admitted that he's not um, the the biggest football uh, minded chap um, in England. So again, it just doesn't really make much sense. Um, but uh, o- over time, I think, I'll definitely get over it, um, I, and I know most Chelsea fans have already, um, which I don't think is pretty right. Um, it's it's always the same thing, like it was with Frank. Like, oh yeah, are we over this? Like they just like they just haven't given Frank enough time and so on. Um, and then a couple weeks later, they're over it. And then now with Tuchel, it was like, oh no, this is the last straw. Like we're definitely not going to go with this. And then literally, I don't even think it took more than two weeks for all Chelsea fans to be like, yeah, okay, cool, we back Potter. Like this is nice. We got a new manager. It's a new start. But we we were having that under Tuchel. Tuchel mm-hmm. bought trophies, gave us top four, gave us a good run at um, at uh, other uh, competitions. And I I just don't see if you want to build a legacy, which Klopp I think was doing, and he was following possibly in the right steps of what Klopp was doing at Liverpool. Like what what else can you do? You know. Um, so yeah, t- to me, I think I'm just. It's still very raw for me. Um, I I said this to my dad. I hope Tuchel goes somewhere um, in, uh, in Europe where one day he faces Chelsea. He he beats them. Honestly, that that will make my day. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I I think it was just a bit of a ridiculous decision. I, I think most people can agree with that too. Sacking Tuchel was for those reasons. That Todd gave was
0: was just very silly. Yeah, I didn't actually see those reasons. So it's this is fresh information. Yeah, so but that's it, crazy, like how he based his reasoning off of he didn't he didn't take an interest in like sharing the data or like yeah, the it, statistics behind what specifically, like data analysis, what of what?
1: So so basically one of the main things that Todd gave out was that um Tuchel wasn't very responsive on uh the WhatsApp group. Uh, group chat with with Todd and one of the other guys. I, I can't think of his right. name right now. Um, he was probably busy trying to manage well, and coach the team. Exactly <laughs> that too, but but also this is also new to Tuchel. Like, yes. and I'm sure this is new to every manager. Not not no one mm. spends their their football time or their why they're there on a on a WhatsApp group chat with with the owner. You know, discussing players. Why why mm. does Tuchel have a backroom staff? you know it it just doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. um, I think those were one of the main reasons that got um fans annoyed um but yeah I, apparently that's why they got in Potter because he's very communicative um, okay. and yeah he he brings in what Todd wants, but I mean at the end of the day you want a manager who's going to bring you success and titles
0: so yeah, yeah i i, I not really see it if I'm honest. Interesting, man. Like, interesting the way, you know, different people work and how <clears throat> their judgment will affect, you know, the greater good. You know, the yeah. fans of every club do have a, you know, percentage ownership in that club, like that fan base. Not, not yeah. maybe a monetary percentage ownership, but, you know, they are part of the club as well. And the emotional. I think football is such an emotional part of, or emotional side of things. Yeah. Um, it's such an emotional game. A lot of emotions tie into football. So I think doing that, such like out of the blue um, decision like that, was a shock. Especially mm-hmm. to me, like a neutral. I was just like, yeah. whoa, where did this come from?
1: Yeah. hundred percent, dude. And I think most people thought it was the result from the Dynamo uh, Zagreb game. Um,
0: yeah, Listen, I thought
1: that too. But like for a team like them. for a team like that, Chelsea obviously should be winning that, and obviously were favourites. But that's football; results don't go the way it always plans to. But mm. again, I, the reasoning to me is just it just doesn't make sense. Like, no, yeah, if of, you don't sack someone on good work ethic, and then say mm. it was no, you, he wasn't communicating properly. Like, especially when uh, a new owner comes in and starts implementing unusual mm. ways in a in an English um, football club you know um, yeah. so at least give the guy a chance then to try and adapt
0: yeah yeah because it was it was it was very early in the season eh this yeah. was like you yeah. know, it was the first champions league game of the of the, com- yeah. the campaign that's right that was, was that's why I was even more of a shock mm. um, but yeah crazy man and I mean that kind of ties into my neck. And next next uh, question to you. You know what? What do you think Graham Potter could achieve at Chelsea? Um, because you obviously mentioned, and I got a bit of a hint that you don't really back Potter. What What do you think he might or could achieve?
1: I I personally don't think Potter's going to be achieving anything anytime soon, um, especially on how Todd. Uh, the owner has been talking, like saying, oh, if he doesn't achieve top four this season or um, gets the success that he wants in the next couple of seasons, then, you know, we're still going to keep him and so on like that. So that already puts a doubt, I think, in, in the fans' minds. Like, oh, we're going to give him time, you know, and maybe we don't think he's ready just yet, but um, eventually it's going to come. <clears throat> um,
0: so That's I, very interesting. Yeah, so,
1: so uh, the, I think, The way
0: the owner thinks. Exactly.
1: 100%. And personally, I... I think Potter or Chelsea is not going to get anything in the next three, four seasons. And out of those three, four seasons, I think Chelsea will only get top four ones. Um, that's not coming from a place like I'm I'm annoyed of how they they, um, they sacked Tuchel. I just think that's how the mindset of Chelsea is going right now. Um, and with the players, um, like I'll give an example. I mean, Todd's looking at a, at a... At a player, uh, Anthony Gordon at Everton, the youngster, wants to place a bit of 50 million on him. And then at the time, there's Tuchel going, why, why would we want this player, especially for this amount? That doesn't bring what I want, you know? So already Todd is in control and has that say over the manager. So let's say Potter. So if Potter wants a player, Todd's going to be like, no. Um, and if, it's going to be the other way around. If Todd wants a player and Potter says no, you know Todd's going to go and get the player anyway, most likely, um, or try at least convince him that it's it's going to work. Um, and again, that's why I think the relationship there, in that sense, within players, I, I don't think is going to go well for Chelsea. Um, I mean, yeah, it's so yeah. That that's my prediction. I, I don't see mm-hmm. Chelsea being successful anytime soon, especially under Potter or even with Todd. If I'm honest.
0: So, yeah crazy man i mean in you saying that with todd bowley controlling the transfers and which players to buy <clears throat> yeah we've we've known and we've seen in in years gone by that that hasn't worked for uh-huh. for very specific teams or very competitive teams that by having that that immense control not backing your manager to make those signings especially a. a People that study the market and that, that have been managers for a long time and that have, that have been a player in the game. And then you getting a manager coming in from America or wherever he comes from, not knowing the game, not knowing the players, their ability, how they could fit. And it just becomes a disastrous situation. 100%, I think we, yeah. we've seen those, we've seen this happen. And mm. I think we football's moving into more of a an era of you know the manager should have a controlling interest in making those big transfer decisions or the the um, who to sign those dis- those big decisions of who to sign because when I, when i saw that anthony gordon approach uh, in the news I was like why why do they need another attacking Winger, when they've exactly. got already a surplus of players in that position, and 100%. you're looking to get rid of players in that position, like and like Hakim Ziyech and yeah. Pulisic and all those yeah. all those different players, you sent Hudson Adoy on loan. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. No, that that's so that I ended up being... of... Sorry, Ru. yeah, so that, that's that why I up... think
1: the lack of football knowledge comes in from Todd, and I think that's what's going to cost Chelsea uh, in the long run.
0: No, I, I agree with you dude and that's it's it's also crazy to hear that perspective from a, a Chelsea pers- uh, supporter and that he owned like the the manager or the sorry the the owner only came in at the end of last season like yeah. in the last few games and then he's already kind of turning the tables trying to swing it his way and you know I can see why that's aggravating a lot of supporters. Exactly, dude. Mm. Cool. Uh, I've got another few questions that I'd like to ask you guys. Uh, on to Liverpool, I just want to go back now. I'm, I'm keen to get your, get your views, Dylan, on this. So, obviously, the consistency with Liverpool has been an issue. We've seen a handful of draws, handful of losses. And, you know, they got off to quite a rocky start in the Champions League as well. and But I've, I've come to their senses almost now. They're, they're sure they're in the knockout stages. They're sure of a second-place spot. Um, I just want to get your opinion um, on where, you know, they could... So you said, I remember you saying... They could challenge for top four, and they could. You still optimistic for a top four finish? Where do you think they could place? Obviously, it's through um, who they get in the knockout stages. But where do you think they might place in the, the Champions League?
2: Um. Honestly, yeah, it depends on who they get. But I look at the supposedly easier games that are like available, like. Benfica would pump Liverpool, like they would absolutely mm. dismantle us this season. Um, yeah. I don't know who else. Like I mean, Napoli are obviously one of the top form teams in Europe. But yeah. I don't really see them going deep into the competition, I don't know, purely because they don't necessarily have the pedigree that like if you look at Real Madrid last season, they were actually terrible in the Champions League for like ninety five percent of it. They lost a share yeah. if they were like <laughs> Behind in most games, but obviously something just puts them pulls them through each game, and like I don't think Napoli necessarily have that. But Liverpool,
0: I think that, it's just the that they have like a UEFA Champions League mentality. So when, yeah, exactly. And they have the players for that, and they have the fans for that as well. I think the fans know more than anything. That when you get that, into the situations, you're gonna to have to back your team to the end.
2: No, for sure. I think that yeah. like luckily in each leg, there'll be a leg at Anfield. I mean, in each round, there'll be a leg at Anfield, which will help. But if Liverpool get by Munich in the round of 16, like, it is curtains. It is done. And it will be embarrassing, no. in my opinion. Like, mm. it's just that Liverpool, it's like, if if teams like Leeds, how I feel like it's, it's easy to be Liverpool now is like, I don't think the big teams will play this way, but like, Leeds pretty much played, what, five at the back with like four in midfield yeah. and they had like a guy... One player like up top waiting for the for the long ball, or just for the counter, and like Forest did a pr- pretty similar thing as well with um, Aonimi, if that's how you said as well. So, sorry, oh, there's my one.
0: There um, <laughs> it but, is. Like,
2: it's just like it's super predictable to play against Liverpool because even when we have possession, we dominate games with possession. It's Van Dijk and Gomez that pretty much have all of it, and it's going from. Trent to Gomez to Van Dijk to Fabinho to Van Dijk to Robertson to Van Dijk to Gomez to Fabinho to Trent it's like there's no progression really up the field and then it's like okay we've had enough of this bang let's try get something to Salah bang let's try get something to um, Nunez when he's been playing left wing or whatever so honestly like I'm not gonna never like never say never Liverpool could still win it obviously like Liverpool also kind of still have that a similar Champions League pedigree thing where you can never rule Liverpool out in Europe.
0: Yeah, they but have that mentality. I am praying much like Real we Madrid.
2: We, I'm praying we don't get over like a top tier team early because in the round of sixteen if we get like if we get by Munich or Real Madrid, uh, it is gonna be a tough a tough one to take. Like it's it's not looking good.
0: Yeah um, Crouch will love that well. when if uh, Bayern get Liverpool in the round of 16, yeah. no, so, honestly, we would love that. It, it's it's already scary.
1: written in the stars. Mane is going
2: to come back goal. and like probably score like a crazy goal at the cop to just make it eight <laughs> 0 Do you do you reckon? <laughs> do, you, do you reckon when Mane when Mane scores, he's going to jump into the cop stands? <laughs> uh <laughs> nah, dude. No, nah, he didn't really even celebrate that much when he scored for Liverpool, so... Nah,
1: it's true. Nah, he would never do that, I always check Mane um, signing, like, Liverpool shirts before the buying game and stuff like that, dude. So, yeah, he's he's still heavily invested with Liverpool. He would never do that.
2: Yeah. <sighs> yeah, nah,
0: it's just... Mane is the be most humble... Mane is the most humble footballer of them all. He got mm-hmm. that uh, trophy at the Ballon d'Or ceremony for, like, FIFA. what What's it? It was... It was like a humility trophy, like use because he built uh, homes in Senegal. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just shows the the character he is. So like, if he had to score at Anfield at any point in the Champions League, he'll definitely he'd probably he probably like, shows to what
2: Torres did when Steven Gerrard slipped. when Torres went like one on one the keeper. He just sweated it to William. I feel like mine is gonna do the same. He'll go one on one the keeper and then just sweated it to ah him. yeah. So that he's not he's not gonna be the guy to put the nail in the coffin
1: true, bro. Mm.
0: Very true. Uh, but I think I think uh, wherever Liverpool might finish the season, I think it'll just go down as that that season that they had. You know, you remember after the they um, won the title, a similar season to that, where it was kind of like uh, like an in between season. Um, they had their. Their, rock, um, their injuries, they had their rocky start, their inconsistency in their, you know, players in different positions. Like, like we see James Milner at right back and left back. Very interesting like decisions by Klopp. I
2: feel like that's um, probably one of the most frustrating parts of, of being a Liverpool fan at the moment is that we've been through this before. This is like, this isn't a new thing. This isn't a shock to the system. We have had this exact problem before. And we all knew this was going to happen. Like during the transfer, like during the summer, we were like, "We need midfielders because we just simply cannot maintain the um, intensity that we have without bringing some sort of refreshment <clears throat> into that area." I mean, the season when we had that centre back crisis, we saw Lovren, who was our fourth centre back, and whatever you think about Lovren, like as a defender, having those bodies just allows you to rotate and just spread out the minutes across. Like, I mean, if Liverpool are playing 60 games a season and you have three centre-backs, I think you'd have to be an idiot to not think that something bad's going to happen, especially with players like Joel Matip and Joe Gomez who are injury-prone and then miss months of a season every season. I think this is probably the first season in a couple of years where Gomez has been able to get, like, what, 10 games in a row? Yeah. I mean, now with the midfield as well, like, I'm sorry, but... I think every Liverpool fan had kind of written off the hope that Cater and Ox were going to be fit at any stage for a consistent period throughout the season, and I think the frustration is just that these are all predictable and like these all these problems that we are facing now we saw them coming. Like this isn't like a, a shock. We knew this was going to happen, and that's just the frustration. It's like. One, I mean, it's easy to talk about money and I don't think money's the entire problem, but we had what, an, we had 80 million for Chirmeni in the summer and he went to Real Madrid and you can't tell me that a club like Liverpool with the scouting that, um, scouting department that everyone knows is so successful, doesn't have a backup plan. Like you can't just put all your eggs in one basket for Chirmeni who we missed out on him because he wanted to go to Real Madrid, fair enough, but you can't not have a backup plan. And if your backup plan is Jude Bellingham, who we all knew was not for sale and going to be over 100 mil, and then you're like, okay, we're just going to risk it and see what happens with very injury-prone midfield. Henderson's also pretty injury-prone. It's not even get started on Tiago. Tiago gets injured every couple of weeks. Um, it's like, so your only midfielder that's going to consistently stay fit, really, who's your, your, your proper starter is Fabinho. And now, like, with the form we're in and you've put... We've, like, banked on getting Bellingham next um, transfer window or next year. It's like, we're not going to get Bellingham if we don't get Champions League football. And not only are we not going to be in the Champions League, we are going to be in a way worse position because Cates is going to leave for free. Ox is going to leave for free. Firmino is probably going to leave for free. All of the players, like, of value that we have um, are going to be a year older. That's going to, like, it's just a, a complete, like, what's the word? Or um, what's saying? Like, a tumbles like a buildup of problems that are coming together yeah. all at once and it's not like this is new we've all seen this coming like yeah that's just a frustrating thing it's just that like, we all knew this was going to happen it's kind of a, a, saw how a bad it com- so quickly but we all it was it was coming
0: yeah. i can i can see it's it's just been like for you and and many liverpool fans out there it just feels like a culmination of of a whole whole host of problems, like, arising, you know, if this happens, like, the potential if, what, and when it will happen, you know, these potential potential possibilities, like, you know, if we don't make Champions League, you know, if our player gets injured, and there's, like, it almost, it does cast a huge doubt in in a football fan's mind, like, where this club could potentially end end or like you know where they could end up no so I can, sure. I can understand yeah. how you feel like it's, it must be flipping a roller coaster yeah.
2: and obviously like this is not definitely not the worst it's ever been I mean the first couple of years of my Liverpool supporting life like it was terrible it was like extremely mm. painful like flipping Roy Hodgson and those guys and the previous owners but it's just that we've seen this before and it can go downhill very quick especially in the Premier League now where it's probably like, maybe not for the title, but the top half of the table, I don't think has ever been this competitive in our lifetime. I mean, yeah. you can easily, I mean, we finished second last season by like a point. I wouldn't be surprised if we finished like eighth this season and then next season not get who we need to get, lose players, um, mm-hmm. everyone like not get fix the holes that need to be fixed because we're not in the Champions League and that's a huge aspect, and then slip even further away. Not finish like 10th, but consistently take like three, four years to get back to the top four. And Mm -hmm. I don't think Klopp has that in him. I don't think, um, as much as I love Klopp, I don't think he has the... I don't think any manager would have the energy to now start again from fresh and rebuild for another four years to potentially end top four again in like three, four years' time or push for title three, four years time. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel that, you know, in you saying that, you know, could could Liverpool, you know, if shit goes bad, like if things turn really bad and really sour, do you think they could go in like a similar path to, to Chelsea right now? Like sacking Klopp potentially and then trying to rebuild again with the new manager? Is that... I think
2: I read an article yesterday, and they were speaking about like you only replace your manager when there's someone else out there that can get more out of the players. And I don't think there's anyone bar like Pep Guardiola who could get more out of the Liverpool squad. I think right now they've been like every inch of ability has been squeezed out of them um, to the point where now like they're all fatigued, they're all tired, they need a break, they need help. But we fire Klopp. Who do we get? No manager is going to, like, very few managers, which obviously Liverpool's a huge club, but to see at who they're contending with right now, with City, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, United, Newcastle coming through soon, like, to come in now into one of the most competitive Premier League um, eras we'll probably see in our life, well, not in our life, I mean, I'm saying, like, currently, Um, Mm. like, with the amount of money that they'll get, with an ageing squad that has some youngsters in it but they are not anywhere near ready to like progress into the next you know progress um I just think that they it's like if the owners uh fire Jurgen Klopp like it'll be worse than firing Thomas Tuchel I know that Crouch said it'll it like that was the worst footballing decision ever I think if they fire Jürgen Klopp they are conceding um that we're going to go downhill and that we'll see what happens you know yeah, it's just kind of. Th-
0: I think that would be the biggest blow to any, like if because if, what Klopp has built at the club has been so exceptionally great, that to make a manager step down or, or resign after a couple of years would just be a big. Uh, the yeah, hardest kind of decision like ever. Everything that he's also done big, up until
2: this point would be for nothing, because as soon mm-hmm. as it gets a bit tough, which. Isn't obviously he's to blame in, in some with some regard in that he hasn't been ruthless with like certain players and like Liverpool should have refreshed their midfield like two seasons ago, like honestly if like but Jurgen Klopp still had faith in the players and I still have faith in them to a certain degree. I don't think they can play every single game. I don't think Henderson can play fifty games a season like he has been doing. Um, but I just yeah, just it just would feel like the past seven years six years have kind of been a waste because we got a premier league we got a champions league which I'm seriously happy about but this liverpool team should be winning more yeah. they're good enough to win more And as much as people say like oh liverpool liverpool this liverpool team is probably one of the better the best liverpool teams they have been it's especially yeah. in my lifetime this is the best liverpool have been in my lifetime and they i don't uh, like they deserve to have won more trophies but i think they are a lot of external factors that are limiting that a lot. I mean, obviously City are like one of the greatest teams to ever play and now they have Harlan and stuff like that. But just in general, Liverpool should achieve more. Yeah.
0: We could see, we could see um, you know, the likes of their, their fierce competitors, City, and how they have been in the market. How when they lose a player, they reinforced that position with another exactly, player. So, exactly. like, once Fernandinho left, because he, you know, he had his time and he had a, a, like, great eight, nine seasons at City, he achieved so much with them, captain the side. Once he left, they bought Calvin Phillips. And even though Calvin Phillips has been injured and not getting any minutes this season, he's definitely, he's a huge backup like if the Rodri he's still there, does get still injured, there.
2: that's the point. Like, if yeah. if Rodri gets injured tomorrow, like Calvin Phillips is a more than a capable replacement, you know.
0: Yeah, I think for for City, it's and for Pip, and for the backroom staff, and you know the owner trusting Pip that way. I think he's in that philosophy of he needs backup in every single position because if shit does hit the fan like injured. Um, you know fatigue uh, you know not all players are going to be able to play sixty fifty to sixty games yeah. a season it's just you know we're all human we we
2: i mean even I was the, looking at the, the best professionals bench for yeah. the past game, sorry, to interrupt, but like we have five subs now and Holland was injured, but four of their subs yeah. was um Ruben Diaz, Nathan Ake, Riyad Mahrez, and Phil Foden. Like, that is ridiculous. And if you look at who Liverpool have been subbing on recently, I mean, we need a goal against Leeds, 1-1, 60th minute, 70th minute comes. Who do we sub on? James Milner. (laughs) Like, (laughs) who do we sub on? Curtis Jones. Like, it's just that, like, no no matter what you think of those players, Mm. who in their right mind thinks that Curtis Jones is going to come on and score the winner? And like I don't mean no. that in a bad way to Curtis Jones. I think he's got potential. He's just come back from a long injury. But he's there to put into midfield to maybe slow the game down and control the game. James Milner is not a match winner.
0: Like, no.
2: It's, it's like... It, that's also where I think Klopp has been like tactically making strange decisions where
0: mm.
2: 20 minutes to go, we need a goal. Subs off Trent for Milner. Like, as as much as what Trent else? gets... As, as much no. as Trent gets, like... Um, criticism for his defending and stuff like that, he is without a doubt one of the best creators in the Premier League. He hasn't been doing that great this season, but to not have him on the pitch when you need a goal makes no sense. You're bringing on James Milner. Like, it, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's
0: it just blows my mind road. as well.
2: The levels of like where Liverpool are at the moment, like us, starting 11 is not terrible. It isn't what it should be, but it's not terrible. It is It is like a, still a very good Premier League team but our bench is genuinely like relegation level. Um, like yeah. you look at our bench and I don't even know half of the names on the thing on the team sheet because they're from the academy. They're like 17 years old. Yeah. It doesn't make any, I think it's just,
0: yeah, you, you it's need, you need that five, fine balance on your bench of quality and youth. And you know, where city are great is that they have that. And you know a comp- a competitor like Liverpool need that, and they've been their competitor in the last five years, and that's why they've only won one title to, to city's four titles because of the depth and the bench I feel and i think I just think you know with Liverpool, I think they are there are definitely funds there for quality investment like young <laughs> investment you know you get a quality player um like uh, a Riyad Mahrez, like a Julian Alvarez, you know, like a, a Calvin Phillips. You get a player like that to solidify your bench, and you're you're on every level competing and fighting for titles, uh, you know, competition trophies, cup competition trophies like Champions League, FA Cup, whatever. All the all the domestic uh, cups. And you have a big chance of, of winning those. And you're not losing to teams like Leeds and Forest, drawing to teams like Fulham and all those other teams that you should be taking all three points in. Like, that's a simple fact.
2: For sure. And I think also like, one aspect of the summer that also frustrated me is that, like, like you said, the money was there. How was there not a backup plan? I saw mm-hmm. that we were interested in uh, Conrad Lima from Leipzig, whose contract ends... And I think Leipzig wanted twenty more for him and Liverpool like now we're we're not willing to pay twenty more for him. And it's like beggars can't <coughs> be chooses, bro. You don't have the right to say no to those kind of deals where twenty million honestly for a a great, like um experienced player like Lima yeah. is is nothing. He's gonna go to Bayern for free probably now at the end of the season. And it's like why, Liverpool will always make those decisions where it's it's kind of like the bank balance over the um effect that a player will make, you know? And that's what yeah. I think Liverpool fans are just frustrated. It's like, 20 million in the greater scheme of things is not a lot when you're qualifying for the Champions League. You're actually making a profit on that decision. Whereas, like, you're saving 20 more in the summer and now you're not going to make the Champions League and now you're actually, like, pretty screwed for the future, you know? It's like those knock-on decisions mm-hmm. that create bigger problems than if you just... For one second, broke your transfer policy, and it's not even like I'm saying spend 150 mil on flipping like someone huge like Mbappe. I'm like it's like 20 mil, bro. Like, yeah. like it's five mil more than you were wanting to spend. Like, come on, mm. like jeepers.
0: Yeah. So on that, you know, breaking the your transfer policy, and also just like I'm, um, you know, now. You know, we we leading up to the end of you know the conversation and the, the questions that I want to ask you guys. I think you know one player that could you know change your team, or like one or two players that could change your team. Who I'm going to ask Crash this question first. Who do you think Chelsea would need to sign that one player or that one or two players that that would change the team and that. Give them that extra edge, you know, to to challenge for a title against the likes of City, Tottenham, Arsenal,
1: etc. Well, well, definitely. I I think Chelsea lack uh, creativity one hundred percent. Chelsea have goal scorers; they just don't have the balls they need. Like you look at. T, like, okay, if you know me, you know I'm always going to back Timo, right? And, Timo the runs, and the runs he makes and so on, like that. Like, I'll say the same thing it, it, pretty much for, for Nunes. Like, Timo and Nunes are very similar players. They maybe, maybe Nunes is, it seems like Nunes could be following the same path that Timo had with just being very unlucky in front of goals. But you still look at the runs Nunes makes and the chances he gets. I still think like Liverpool need someone creative in the mid for Nunes to um, to prosper. And it's the same with Timo. I think the runs that Timo was making last season were unreal. And if he got half of the balls um, uh, from the runs he made, I, I think it would have been a different story for him. So personally, I think a goal scorer at the minute is not what Chelsea need because we have that. I mean... I'm not even going to mention the name Sterling because I just think he is so bad. I, I, you know <laughs> what? Listen, Pep, Pep didn't even blink an eye when Chelsea came forward for an offer. If Pep really thought something of Sterling, he would have made an effort to keep him. It just shows you that Pep even knows that Sterling is, he is useless. I, Sterling, for me, shouldn't even be in a top-four team. So and then there's a Bameyang who we know is lethal in front of goals. Um, we've got Kai, who yes, he is obviously struggling a bit. Maybe he isn't the best, but for for a solid number nine, I'm having UBA up front. And for Abba to to um to succeed, he's going to need he's going to need the balls and the support in the mid. Um, so personally, I think that one signing that Chelsea do need to to go that extra level or to try at least compete or look good. Um, is have is have a, a, a decent mid?
0: Um, yeah, you can't like pinpoint uh, who right <clears throat> now. Like, but a, I would um, think a player like similar to Martin Odegaard. You
1: you know what? You know the exact kind of player we need is Fabregas. He if Ooh. if Fabregas wow. if Fabregas is in that team from last season with Timo I promise you now Timo will have would have twin goals to his names.
2: bench every day of the week. Said again, Jorginho would be Trying bench every day of the week.
1: He I don't think he'd be even traveling with the squad. <laughs> Honestly, I I think Chelsea need a Fabregas. Um that's how I think Aubameyang would succeed I, And I mentioned Aubameyang because I think he would he is a he is the definition of a number 9 um, and it especially suits Chelsea very well, I think. Um, but yo, I, I can't. It just continue. gives me like, yeah.
0: gives me like a throwback to the days of when Fabregas and Dave Costa oh. just racked up numbers. Oh my uh, God! Days.
2: Even as a local <laughs> fan, I appreciated yeah. that. That was extremely yeah. satisfying to watch. Special,
0: Very, like, so satisfying.
1: Fabregas just knew the weight of the pass, where that player was going to be, how the run was made, and I think like today it's so hard to find a mid or a player like no. that. Like. That's why I can't think of anyone. Uh, maybe I can think of someone similar to him, but how I think Ch- what Chelsea need, I I can't really think of right now. But I will say Chelsea need a
0: creative midfielder, um, someone what in is the, the sense player, of Fabregas. What is this player that you can think of that's similar to Fabregas? Do you have a player in mind? Listen, like you you put it
1: in my head. I I take Odegaard. I I really Your- would. Um, team would. I, I think he he would fit very well. I, not just for Chelsea, I think he'd fit for everyone. Um, any team. Top top of my head, I I'd probably say I'd probably say odegaard Um, and for me as well, I I think Musiala in in a in a deep Oof. role like a ten or something like wow. that, I think would be even even nicer. Did
0: um. So I'd I, I go Mr. or Odegaard, if I'm honest. Um, what about a, a player like Osman Dembele? Like I, we saw that, that Osman Dembele and Obama uh, Young partnership at Barcelona last our season. That was uh, quite you know, he, he racked up the assists for ba- Aubameyang quite a lot. So I don't he know. He did but dude Dembele to me, I think
1: out of out of the league, out of La Liga, he is at best a bench player for Nottingham Forest. I think he is useless. I really do. Yeah, when it comes really to harsh, when it when it comes to, harsh. I'm I'm harsh, still, You know I am. I, when when it come, <laughs> when it you look at Dembele. I'll give the example Dembele against Bayern. And yes, that's a very hard game to compare because it's Bayern. But you you looked at you look at Bayern's team that played Barca at the Camp Nou. That team was honestly. A piss take for Julian. He literally placed that team on and said, "You know what? We don't need to win this game. Maybe we'll give yeah. Boss a chance." And Dembélé that game, I teams. he was—I I actually can't believe Xavi actually even left left him on for that long. I—I—I I, I just actually the like he couldn't even cross the ball. His decision making is so poor. Other than Dembélé having a good cross, I—I—I I, I don't know what else he is good at. His shooting is, it's either very good or it's very bad. His passing is terribly bad or maybe borderline good, if on a good day. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't even think he's
0: it, seriously. and so Besides, saying, that
1: he's injury prone.
0: Yeah, facts. So you, you're saying that Chelsea need a consistent player. And I think every, every team needs a consistent player. That's like the first thing that comes to mind when signing a player. You need a player who's going to do things for you week in, week out. I will 100%. 100% we're, seeing, like that, <laughs> we're seeing a player, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on this because this is probably the best-looking team I've ever seen in the Premier League. What well, I'm seeing in the Premier League at this moment. Miguel Almiron for Newcastle. Oh, oh my goodness. I wow. brought him into my SPL team this
1: week, and I can't say. He, uh, he did me very, very well.
0: Yeah, he's done me so well for the last three game weeks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a creative player like that, dude, and he's a flippin' persistent player, man. He
1: mm.
0: He's Very. energetic. I don't know. I think, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how much of a playmaker he is, like Odegaard, but he can change games. Like, I think he can. I don't can think do, he's
2: glamorous enough for Chelsea.
0: I don't think so, too. I think he, he thrives well in a, a side like Newcastle. And they're just having a, a really lucky season with him, I think. Um, they're fortunate enough to have a player with, you know, who's in the last three seasons has been very, well, dead average. But now he's coming to his own. So, yeah. But like, I, I, I'm i saying like a similar player to Almiron that can have a goal-scoring clutch and be on the end of, you know, some sort of creative players going you forward. You also
2: just need KDB.
0: <laughs> Yo, everyone does, eh? Yeah. You, uh. The reunion, come on. Sure. KDB the, and the Lukaku, day, bring them back.
1: The day, the day that happens, sure, I don't know. You know, you know. I'm looking I'm looking at um a, a few players that I, I would want to toss you. I'm just thinking about it now. One player that I think has been very, um, that hasn't been spoken about enough is Andre Silva, the Portuguese from Leipzig. Ooh, striker. Yeah, I think he is, yeah, I I take him in a flash, if I'm honest. I take him in a flash. He's one guy I want.
0: Okay. Yeah. And speaking of Leipzig players, I mean, like, looking at the creative players there, I don't know. What do you think of the creative players in that team, like um and Osburg yeah, and all those players?
1: Well, like Kompo, Kompo and Schlager, like I, I think are doing quite well. don't forget also Slobislau. um Yeah. Like Slobislau, like what he he can play as, a, as as a cam surely, and I think. Yeah, I'm quite, sure he's
0: he's a number ten.
1: Yeah, I I think he's quite creative. To be fair, the only the only thing I think mm-hmm. he lacks is speed. <laughs> But yeah. other than that, I,
0: I I take him to be fair. Yeah. I mean it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Potter does in the in the Jan Cross window. Like it's coming up very soon and I mean like
1: mm. uh,
0: a lot of events are coming up in the Football Canada, like the World Cup and everything. But, you know, that's that's that could be talked about in future episodes. Um so just veering off Chelsea a bit, um, I know Dylan you mentioned, you know. Potentially Liverpool signing Jude Bellingham, and that could be an insane transfer. I, I know that we all love Jude Bellingham, and we we think he's the next next best uh, Ballon d'Or winner. I honestly think that Crouch I know loves him, and Musiala. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure about equally. Of course. But what what do you think um, Liverpool could do in the upcoming transfer windows, uh, Dylan? In well, an, ideal, an
2: ideal world where Liverpool don't have a, um, a limit to how much they could spend, I'd love to get Deacon Rice and Rice, Bellingham next year. That like, that would be ridiculous. I think our midfield would be completely revamped with those two. Because also, what Liverpool, what Jürgen Klopp likes is like versatile players, and both of those guys could play. I mean, Declan and mm-hmm. Rice could like sit where Fabinho plays. He could also play where Henderson plays. He also mm. like. He's pretty underrated, I think. Like offensively, like he's really good at dribbling the ball, like bringing the ball up, and, like starting attacks. Um, and then Bellingham, obviously, like he's kind of getting that like Steven Gerrard esque form where he's scoring lots of goals from midfield, which Liverpool do not have whatsoever. I think Liverpool's last midf- like that's a last score in the Prem was like months ago. I don't. I don't think I can remember the last time a Liverpool midfielder scored. Um, yeah, I, just looking at it, I can't remember
0: when Henderson, Thiago or Fabinho last scored. Dude, so, Fabinho went yeah. through that
2: run like a year ago where he scored like four games in a row. And then since then... But I mean, that's not his job, I guess. That's never been Liverpool's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and jobs. Yeah. But it is mm-hmm. nice when, you know, there is someone else besides yeah. Salah and um, Trent providing any sort of creativity, you know.
0: I honestly think... Um, Liverpool lost a part of themselves when Mane left.
2: Yeah, I, I think that was I a think huge that blow. It wasn't just Mane leaving. Um, obviously, like anyone who miss Mane, is... he was unique in Liverpool's attack in the fact that like he may not have gone as many goals as Salah, and that he, but he was so aggressive. He always put the attack on the front foot. He was such a threat. Like now, like is being pushed out wide, he's being double marked, he's having to come more centrally, which I prefer him more central. But having that threat of Mane on the left and Salah on the right coming into the middle with those balls over the top, like, that it's was ridiculous. That was like a defender's nightmare because you couldn't just focus on one side, which is happening now. Um, you had to like be away on both sides. Um, but I think also, like, in attack, the problem is that we lost Divock Origi, and Minamino and not like, I don't think those guys are like necessarily game changers and the best players ever. But what I was saying earlier about bodies is like, we lost three attackers and then we've replaced them with one. And it doesn't matter the quality of those players. Like when Liverpool played the Carabao Cup, Minamino and Origi played every minute. And it's like, that's what Liverpool needed to keep Mane and Bobby and um, Jota and Salah from getting injured. And I think that's also been like an underrated problem that um, no one's really spoken about. Just the impact of losing three attackers and only getting one in return. Yeah.
0: Facts. I agree.
1: Kratz, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, to add on to that, I definitely think Klopp is not a believer of a um, of a uh, in-depth squad. Because, like, he didn't have to get rid of Minamino or Arigi, Um And, like... Do you look now at um, at uh, Wilson that you guys gave to to Fulham? I yeah. think yeah. like it's those. That's really three players, maybe not of of great quality, but Wilson but squad dude, players. But it's better than
2: what we have it, now. That's the thing.
1: It's better exactly, than dude. And 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 Wilson is very creative. I think he's maybe not doing much at Fulham because the 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 competition in the Fulham squad now is actually very high, considering like how well Fulham are doing. But yeah. again, like you said, it's the players you need, and also it's it's a bit of rotation. Like um, Nunez and Firmino are, are probably fifty-fifty now. Who's going to start what games? But then add you could you could have added in like Wilson or or Regi. You know, like try change things up. Yeah, just and, also and, just
2: change the tactics up a little bit. Exactly. Play in a different way. And that's why
1: that also that's why I think that um, that Liverpool I think are struggling a bit is because. Klopp is now—he's. It seems like he hasn't changed much for the last couple of seasons, and I think teams are just starting to catch on that a bit. Yeah. Like you look at the press, dude. Le- like Leeds were beating that press. Like Liverpool Yeah. Like Leeds were so composed. I couldn't believe it. Like, even the commentators were saying. Like, J C Marsh have told this team to just relax and do the simple passes, keep the intensity up. You know, like play Liverpool at their own game at at Anfield, and, and I think they did that extremely well. Um, But many like look at like again, like Nico Williams, like getting rid of him, you know, like I, those are plays I think was very silly to give up, like to give yeah. up. Like, understandably, they want to play a hundred percent, but that's where Klopp and the team should be like, wait, your turn is coming, you will get minutes this season more than last because injuries do happen, you know, and look yeah. at the injury crisis you guys are in now. And like Nico, yeah, he plays in, on, the, uh, on the wing back, or on the wings, should I say. Um, and um, you know maybe there's a time where he would have to move to move in, or Wilson would be playing in the mid instead of out wide, or, or something like that. You know, so ch- change of formation uh, and, and tactics, I think, is is definitely um, needed for for Klopp and Liverpool lately.
2: And I think that also goes back to what I was saying earlier with the the um, getting an extra few like million pounds. Yeah, is like we like is that 17 million pounds that we got from Minamino really worth
1: exactly dude. like
2: having another like one less attacker and getting because that is a direct contribution to players getting injured <coughs> like hundreds Jota had a pretty long term injury well not really long term but like he had a he had an injury that kept him out for a while then he comes back and starts basically playing every minute again straight away then he gets an even worse injury and is out for longer same with mm. yeah it's like yeah like oh, it's, that's, that's very it's true dude. it's like is that 17 million pounds? Is that like 15 million pounds? Is that 5 million pounds really worth this predicament that we are in now? I think if you ask every Liverpool fan, they'll say no. Mm. You can understand, like obviously Liverpool don't have bottomless pits of money, but Liverpool don't have no money. Like on the championship, Liverpool, Liverpool are one of the like highest revenue producing teams in the world. Yeah, Like they have to kind of start behaving that way. Like they can't just like squeeze every penny out of every possible angle and then hope and pray that yeah. injury-prone players don't get injured.
1: Mm. And did you look You look at, like, Minamino, you said went for, what, 17 mil or something? Like, a player like him, he's been at the club for a fair amount of time. He's gotten used to the city. He's this gotten used to clubs, tactics, and so on. Now, for you to go find a player who's in that same um It's not possible, but you m- plus more Exactly. Like, you're just not going to have... Like, getting Minamino for, for, what, you got him for five
2: mil from, from Salisbury? So, I think it was seven and a half. Seven, seven and, a half.
1: and a half. Like, that you won't come by of a player like that again or someone who... Okay, listen. Obviously, Minamino didn't play often, but like you said, he played
2: in the cup games that prevented... Dude, he was our top he, scorer in the League Cup. It's like he scored it, like 10 goals. Exactly. Like, that's 10 yeah. goals from someone yeah. that you're not expecting to get 10 goals. Exactly. 3 goals, basically.
1: 100%. So you know already he's going to do the job when you put him out there. So And you won't have to rely on your main attackers. And eventually, I'm sure now, if Minamino was here... Yeah, I'm I, I'm sure that Klopp would have thrown him in a few times already.
2: Like, just to change things up, you know? It just also just takes the pressure off for other players. Yeah. Like, Nunez doesn't have to come into a degrading Liverpool team for a mm. huge fee, like, can't speak English, doesn't know the system. Yeah. And, like, be thrown in into this mess and have to play every game, like, score every week. I mean, Nunez is getting a lot of criticism. I think some of it is fair. Like, he has missed some easy chances. Yeah. But, Come on, guys, like you can't expect a new player to come into a team that isn't doing well and then lift them up and like score yeah. a goal every game.
1: Hundred like, percent, dude.
2: It just doesn't it's just it's not, it's not realistic at all.
1: Mm. No, I agree, dude.
0: Hundred per cent. I actually agree with that Minamino standpoint, that you know, in a game like Leeds, if you had Minamino or Origi on the bench and it you just had them there. And you threw them on instead of you threw them on instead of Mona and Jones. Oregon and, and Monomino scored like one or two goals in crucial times in the Prem last exactly, season. Exactly, exactly. So and that makes the difference at the end of the day. It will get you those extra two, um, those extra three points, or those extra two points instead of a draw, and it can lift you, um, obviously, uh, physically up the table. And also mentally, in terms of like your confidence, how are you gonna be for the next game? It's gonna give you a big, big lift. So having those players are such differentials. I feel like that's, that's such a great, um, you know, little point that you guys had a had a conversation about. That's why I love. That's why I love doing this. It's so good. Yeah, uh, but I think, Dol, you. Um, yeah, I have to. I have to go. Cutting, but uh, yeah, cutting, I had a great uh, time, dude. I'd love to do this again. Yeah, it's it's been great. I'm, I've loved having you guys together on the podcast. I think um, we'll definitely have this duo come on again. I love it. I've I've really really enjoyed it, and it's been. And I hope whoever has been listening in, or will potentially um, listen to this recording. Has had a great time as well, listening to in listening in and listening to all the opinions that were thrown around. So, so thanks, Dill and thanks, uh, well, thanks for having Daniel me Krashmar. Thanks. For-